0: Preach just for a just for a few moments, and we'll get back into worship. Thank you, guys. I'm switching it up. Stay standing. Let's read. Read, and, and I'm just going to read it so you can just listen to it. Ezekiel 37 it says, "The hand of the Lord was upon me, and He brought me out in the midst of the Lord, and in the midst brought me out in the spirit of the Lord, and sent me down the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones." Somebody say bones. He led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. Somebody say, very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord, you know. Somebody say, Lord, you know. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord to these bones, behold, I will cause you, watch me, watch, watch, watch what God is saying. Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. And I will lay sin upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. And you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound and behold, a rattling. And the bones came together, bone." To its bone, and I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So, watch. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet. Come on, an exceedingly great army and he said to me son of man these are the bones of the whole house of Israel behold they say our bones are dried up and our hope is lost we are indeed cut off therefore prophesy and say to them thus says the Lord God behold I will open your graves and raise you from your graves O my people and I will bring you to the land of Israel and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open up your graves and raise you watch Now and raise you from your graves, oh my people. And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live. And I'll place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it. Come on, declares the Lord Almighty. Father, thank you. Speak very briefly tonight in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Please be seated. want to speak to you very simply on the topic a movement of hope a movement of hope somebody say hope a movement of hope have you ever faced a situation where it seemed it was hopeless can I see your hand right Do you know somebody right now that is facing a situation in their life that they said, I think it's hopeless, I think it's over, I don't think it's ever going to turn around. Come on, wave your hand at me if you know what I'm talking about. I actually believe that America right now is in that position. I actually believe right now because of the election, a lot of people, their hope is dashed because they realize they can't put their hope or trust in a donkey or an elephant, Republican or Democrat. We are forced finally, I believe, and finally in my generation to actually put our trust in the Lamb of God named Jesus Christ. Ah, I feel something. I feel like we've been so politically driven and so politically charged. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. I'm not going to tell you who I'm voting for. I know you're GOP, God's own party. No, I'm God's own party. I'm tired of us relying on a man or a woman in the White House. It doesn't matter. I've lived through Democrats and Republicans in the White House. You can call them Bush, Reagan, Clinton, or Obama. But the last name doesn't matter because there's only one name above every name, and that is the name of Jesus Christ. It is a sad day when we have more hope and who's going to be in the White House, but don't you care about the Supreme Court? I do, but there's a court that's even more supreme than the Supreme Court. I'm mean here to tell you right now, my friends, that literally America is at the crossroads and it's not going to come from a political party, but could it be it is now the time for the church of Jesus Christ to arise and say there is hope, come on, found in the cross of Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. Oh, because at the cross, the Bible says it's neither Jew nor Gentile. Let me re-translate that. There's not Democrat or Republican. There's not black, white, or brown. But we are now one. Come on, somebody in Jesus. You are my brother and my sister. You are part of the family of God. It doesn't matter your background, your persuasion. Well, you know what? I'm not, I'm not really that, that emotional, you know? I'm kind of like a little bit quiet reserved because my nationality is that way. Or, you know what? I just can't help but shout because my nationality is that way. I, listen, I am not Hispanic first. I'm Hispanic second. I'm proud of my heritage. I love it. I love pinatas. Come on, somebody. I love 1964 lowrider palas. You got to bag that baby and bounce it all the way down the street. No, no, no. I, I, I'm proud to be of his man. You should be proud of being African-American. You should be proud of being Caucasian. You should be proud of being Italian. That's all good. But my friend, let me tell you something. That culture cannot trump kingdom culture. Oh, yeah, I'm going to go there. I'm going to go there. Oh, yeah, I'm going there. Well, I'm not that emotional. I'm not, it's not my makeup, okay? But that's your natural culture. When you get born again, it says this, let everything that have breath, come on, praise the Lord. It says, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. There's something about a kingdom. Because when you clap and you shout and you worship, you give the devil a nightmare. Because when God's people begin to worship, he remembers what he had and he remembers what he lost. And he cannot stand it that we are now elevated above the angels. We are now elevated and we have the opportunity to worship God. And when we worship God, his presence comes. And when his presence comes, anything could happen. That's why I'm addicted. I'm addicted to worship. I'm addicted. I always have my headphones on. I have my headphones on on the plane. I have my headphones on when I'm driving one year only because it's illegal in the state of California to have both. But when I cross over to Nevada, boom, they both go in, somebody. You know what I'm talking about? I know the rules. I keep the rules. Amen. I Listen to me. If we do not understand the kingdom, we will not see kingdom expression. All of America is poised for the church. November 8th is going to be a very, very incredible day in America history. I don't have to prophesy, but I can tell you it's either going to be a he or a she. Went that deep right there, wasn't it? Well, you know, if Clinton wins, you know if Trump wins. I mean, all the women working in the White House got to be careful about that, man. I'm glad people don't know all my stuff. We got to be careful about throwing stones because everybody's got flaws. I'm talking about Democrat and Republican. I mean, Bill Clinton, he isn't just, you know... And we can sit here and get all political, or we can say there's only been one perfect man. And his name is Jesus Christ. Does anybody know Jesus? Has anybody been saved? Has anybody been touched by Jesus? Has Jesus done any miracle? Has Jesus healed anybody? Has Jesus broken an addiction for anybody? Is Jesus giving hope to anybody? America's at the crossroads. And I feel like I'm a prophetic voice. I feel like that my role is shifting, not just a local church pastor, but I believe that God, for the sake of sounding arrogant to some of you, I believe God is raising my platform. I believe that God is saying that I'm going to have a man and I'm looking for men and women that are going to begin to get up and declare that Christ is greater than all. That if God gives me the opportunity to have more influence in the government, I'm not going to tell them necessarily about what policy they should do. I'm going to say, can I introduce you to Jesus? Because I'm convinced that when a man or woman has Jesus in their life, that the Holy Spirit is big enough to begin to direct the affairs of their life. In the book of Ezekiel, chapter 37, let me just go through this very quickly. It says that literally Ezekiel was taken out to a valley of dry bones. This is during the Babylonian captivity. They have adopted the way of life in the foreign country. They have lost all hope of ever seeing the promise of God come to pass. And what does God do? God begins to send hope through a prophetic voice named Ezekiel. The word Ezekiel, the name Ezekiel means God strengthens. A prophetic word should not condemn you. It should always strengthen you. We are not Old Testament prophets trying to uncover your sin. We are New Testament women, women of God, that are going to exhort, encourage. We're not going to give you direction of who to marry and and, and to sell your business and, and give all the money to Benny Perez, although that might be a good thing. No, no, no. Ezekiel means, come on, somebody, God strengthens right? And what does God do? God very simply does a couple things. Number one, God shows that he's in control. Write that down. God is in control. Write that down. God is in control. It says that the Lord took hold of me. What does that mean? Ezekiel is under God's control. The hand of the Lord came upon him. This is the Old Testament sign of God directing and empowering a person. The hand of the Lord came upon Elijah in 1 Kings eighteen forty six. Can I tell you something? Over two thousand years ago Jesus took hold of you Jesus took hold of me and when you trusted Jesus you became born again and the Lord God come on took hold of you his hand of salvation came and rescued you and took you out of the kingdom of darkness and translated you into the kingdom of his dear son Colossians chapter 1 verses 13 and 14 and Jesus has put his hand of favor on you Psalm 20 verse 6 why because when you become born again let me retranslate this for you you did not choose God God chose you And God didn't choose you because you were perfect. God chose some of us when we were drug addicts and we were alcoholics and we were messed up and we were away from God. God chose some of us and we were wealthy and seemingly had no addiction. But we had now a passion only for one thing and it wasn't for God. I'm here to tell you that God chooses us based on who he is, not on who you are. I was a young Hispanic kid in Pico Rivera, California, coming from a Catholic family. And my mom and my dad, my parents divorced when I was young. So I come from a broken family, whatever that means. And so I came from that. But even as a little kid at five and six years of age, I would get up and I'd walk to St. Hilary's Church in Pico Rivera, California. I'd walk there by myself. It was safe to walk back in the day. And I was there. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. All the neighbors knew you. Where I grew up, my parents gave neighbors permission, come on, to discipline me. Oh, yeah, baby. You see Benny doing something? You go ahead and you take care of business. I know that's old school. I can't believe he's saying spanking in church. I was talking to a bunch of young people. They go, on. I'm, really, I'm really mad at my parents. I said, why? Because they gave me a time out. They took my PS4 away, they took my, took my Xbox away, took my phone away, took everything away. I hate timeouts. I said to this person, shut up. Because in my day, there was no timeouts. There were knockouts. I'm not espousing child abuse. Please hear me. The little twitch in my neck, it's It's nothing. It's nothing. Little Benny Perez at six years of age, going to Catholic church, walking and getting the holy water and putting it on me, kneeling and going up to the priest and taking the first Holy Communion. I had this desire to know God. Because my parents were divorced, they would not allow me in Catholic school. Got my my mom mad, but it was God. God was redirecting my steps. The only reason why God will close the door is a word for somebody is because he has something better for you. My parents enrolled me in a Baptist school, Montebello First Baptist Church, Montebello, California, off of Whittier Boulevard and 7th Street. It's still there. Mrs. Hinderlong was the principal. She's still alive. She's a missionary to Russia at the age of 78. I remember as a third grader, I'm sitting there, and Mrs. Wolven was my third grade teacher. I was always paying attention in class because she was hot, beautiful. <laughs> Blonde hair, blue eyes. It's like, this is the Lord speaking. Remember, she was teaching Bible class, and she said, does anybody want to stay after at recess time and know, m- learn more about Jesus? and and authentically, something in my heart said, yeah, that's me. And I was the only kid that stayed behind. And she took out the gospel glove, and she began to tell me about Jesus. The gospel glove had five different colors. The pinky now was, was it, it was black for sin. And then the, the next finger was red for the blood of Jesus. And the next finger was white as snow because the blood of Jesus was white as snow. The next finger was green for Christian growth. And the next finger was gold for streets of gold when we go on to the next. And she had the gospel glove on. I, I actually have a gospel glove made up, and I actually bring it out every once in a while because it tells the gospel so good. And as a third grader, listen to me, I received Christ into my life. Listen to me, I helped lead my mom to Christ because I prayed for her salvation for two years. Three years later, I prayed, and my stepdad, who's really my dad, who raised me all my life, most of my life, he accepted Christ as a sixth grader. And then my brother, my brother got saved. Come on, my sisters got saved. Come on, my aunts and uncles got saved. Come on, my grandparents got saved because the hand of the Lord, come on, somebody came upon me oh I gotta tell I gotta preach it a little bit listen to me listen to me we have to say, God, whatever you want in my life, and there I am. And honestly, I backslid from 18 to 21, not proud of it. That's when I went to the clubs and did my clubbing and did all that kind of stuff. But I'm grateful that the hand of the Lord was never off of my life because it was in 1986, in the month of July, on the on the San Norfree State Beach, right by the nuclear power plant, and the presence of God came. There was no band. There was no lights. There was no, no crowd. There was no revival. There was no well. It was a man at 21 years of age walking down the beach, come on in my red Speedos, do not do not look do not visualize that <laughs> it'll break every spirit of lust in your body if you do but I really wasn't in red red speed, it was just to make you laugh, because some of you are ADD, you need to laugh a little bit, and so I was in my board, my board shorts, and there I am, and I know it's hard to explain, but the hand of the Lord came upon me, the hand of the Lord came upon me, I was bitter, I was angry, I saw spiritual abuse, I got pushed down, I, I got, I got, I, I mean, everything you can imagine, oh, I understand, I used to sit in the back, when people used to manifest like that, that's a bunch of junk, that's a bunch of garbage, I can't even believe that's real, because I remember going up to altars, and they would push me God's touching you no he's not yes he is no you're not yes he is don't resist and I wanted so bad to punch the guy I'm being real with you because as a young man I was diagnosed with Marfan syndrome Graves disease rheumatoid arthritis I had scoliosis I could go down the list and 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 would come through healing I don't call myself a healing evangelist what are you I'm a Mexican. I'm not a healing evangelist. I'm a man of God who believes in a healing Jesus. I'm a man of God who believes that the power of God still flows for all who believe. I'm not that special. I just want to believe. And when the hand of the Lord came upon me and God called me back, he said, I'm going to take you places. I dropped out of Cal State Fullerton. I did not finish my degree in business. I re-enrolled at Vanguard University. I don't know if they want to claim me or not, but I re-enrolled in Vanguard University and went two more years, and God began to do the supernatural through me. I am the least candidate to be used by God in the supernatural way. I said, God, I don't want to abuse people. I don't want to manipulate people. And he said, you're not going to do it because you understand what it's like to be manipulated and to be controlled I don't care if you fall I don't care if you shake I don't care if you wiggle, rattle or roll all I want you is to experience the presence of God in a real tangible way and my friends I still believe God moves in the miraculous I still believe God moves in a powerful tangible way clap your hands higher vision one more time God I believe it God, I believe it. So number one, God is in control. Somebody say, God is in control. Number two, he was led by the Spirit. It says the Spirit moved him. The Spirit of God came and changed his location and his direction. The Holy Spirit moved him to a place where he could bring change. Pastor Jared, the reason why you and your wife moved here is because this is a place that you were going to bring change. He moved him to that place. The Holy Spirit was leading and guiding Ezekiel, whose name means God strengthens into a barren place. He is being moved, not for his sake, but for someone else's sake. We are people of the Spirit. We are not natural, but we are supernatural. We are now living by the Spirit, led by the Spirit, Galatians 5. The Spirit empowers us to live the way we should, Galatians 3.3. And Jesus instructed his disciples to be empowered by the Spirit. And Acts 1.8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you why the spirit of god the first and primary purpose for the presence and the and the power of god is not for manifestation it's for mission we got mixed up in the church that has become manifestation over mission but god said go into all the world come on somebody and preach this gospel And these signs shall follow them that would believe. Quit following signs when signs should be following you. Well, you know, you know, such and such a church doesn't have the Holy Ghost. And and if you really want the Holy Spirit, you need to go so-and-so. And and you need to show up at so-and-so and and go into so-and-so. And And you know what I got to say about so-and-so? I'm going to tell you. I know you're going to ask, but I'm going to tell you. Anytime that kind of stuff is told to you, it's demonic. Because the intention is to pit one church against another. And God doesn't like it when we cannibalize his body. I'm going to drop some bombs right now whether you say amen or not. So people come to me and they say, man, your church has so much Holy Spirit activity in Las Vegas. And you know, such and such a church, man, the reason why I left there is because I don't feel the spirit. And I stop them. I say, that pastor is my friend. That pastor is my friend. And I've learned this. I've been around this long enough. If you talk about another pastor and about his church to me eventually you'll talk about me do somebody else we are people of the spirit see some people haven't tapped into understand it all but everybody who is born again come on is born of the spirit Could it be, though, that God wants to just continue to untap a well, come on at this church, because there are special seasons and moments when God begins, I mean, look at this place. This place is jam-packed on a Sunday night after five services. Let me correct myself. After six services. I mean, why are you here? No, I'm asking you a question. Why are you here? Well, you can love Jesus at home. Because if it's just about loving Jesus. I'm going to love Jesus in my jacuzzi. Come on, right? I'm going to love Jesus on the golf course four hours a day. What you don't know is you think you're actually here because of your own. God put it in your heart to be here. The reason why is he says because if two or three are gathered, in my name. Come on, somebody. There I am in the midst. Number three, write this down and we're done. The Spirit puts him into a hopeless place. He took them to a valley full of dry bones and they were completely dry. They had been in that condition for a long time. The condition of the bones is a result of the environment they were in. I do not put you down for losing hope because the environment you're in has sucked the hope out of you. I, I don't put you down because you've lost faith in Christ, because the environment you're in lost, uh, caused you to lose your hope in Christ. Some of you, you've seen abuse in spiritual things. I don't, I, I don't judge you because you're not into the supernatural or anything like that, because the environment that you're in begin now to shape how you process things. But God asks this question, can these bones become living people again? And Ezekiel's response is, God You can do anything. God, you know. Listen to me. When we find ourselves in a hopeless place, is when we need to turn to God and say, God, you know if this can happen. God, you know. God, with you, come on, somebody. All things are possible. God, you know. And so, what does God say? God says, okay, if you believe that I know, then you need to do one thing. And He commanded Him to speak to the bones, speak to the dry bones. Breath is coming to you, and it's going to make you live again. He's going to put flesh and muscle. skin on you again. God said he would do it. Notice how many times he said in the text, I will, I will, I will, I will. Our responsibility is to speak what God has spoken already. He said speak the word of God over dead situations. Speak the word of God, come on, over hopeless situations. I believe we need to speak to our dry bones. Speak to your marriage. Marriage, live again. Speak to your health, body, live again. Speak to your kids. Kids, live again. Speak to Valencia, live again. Speak to Santa Paula, live again. Speak to Southern California, revival is here again. We need to speak what God has said. Notice what happens when we speak the word of God and we live according to the word of God. What happens? Order is established bone to bone. When we speak and believe and act on God's word, divine order begins to happen. God's promises are not just to be read. I heard God say this to me. Come on, quit reading. The promises of God only, they were not just to be read. They were there to be declared. The word of God is a two-edged sword. The first edge is when God speaks the word. But when you speak the word that he has spoken, it becomes a two-edged sword. I'm telling you, you say, why, well, you're a little bit into that declaration. Come back to the keyboard. That's it. That's, that's like, that, you're really into the declaration thing. I am, and so are you. You know what I'm talking about. Like, ooh, you got a bed. Ooh, man, it's going to be a bad day. man. I'm going to get the flu this year. People always say that. Somebody told me, "Are you going to get your flu shot?" Nope. So you expect to get the flu?" Nope. I just, no, no. You declare things all the time. Man, I just think I just think it's going to be a bad week because the Dodger's lost. I, if you listen to what people say, you're already prophesying your life, would it be like that you got up in the morning and say you know what this is the day the lord has made i will rejoice and be glad in it you just got some bad news and you just say you know what oh man no weapon formed against me is going to prosper It didn't say it would never be formed against you. It just said it would not prosper. Is that all you got, devil? Is that all you're going to do to me, devil? Oh, I know you took my loved one, but guess what? You didn't take him to hell. God took him to heaven. Oh, I know. I know it's not looking good. I know, but my hope is in the Lord. My hope is in him who has raised me, who has blessed me, who has saved me, who has forgiven me. I, what would happen? If you were God's strengthens, and you came along, and I keep telling Pastor Jared, Pastor Jared, I'm proud of you. Pastor Jared, you, you, you've been used by God to create an atmosphere where that's happening. And friends, I'm here to tell you, I'm here to tell you, I don't even know if we should go tomorrow or not, but I just, okay, we're not going to go tomorrow then. How many of you would go one more night and press into God? How many would invite at least one person? I, I'm, I'm glad some of you are honest. I ain't coming back tomorrow. That's good. I don't want you back then if you act like that. Listen to me, because we're going to begin to worship. I'm going to do a few things, but we have our incredible prayer, prophetic team. Because I don't have the time to prophesy over all of you. Because then you're all going to get mad. He looked at me, but he didn't give me a word. Prophesy to the wind. I want to prophesy to the north, the southeast, and the west. I want to prophesy that revival has broken loose. You see, I showed it to a church of 400 in a community of 5,000. They said, "Hey, will you come and preach for us on a Sunday night?" And I said, "Sure." I preached. You felt something. Something's in the air. The pastor goes, "Can you come back tomorrow?" Sure, because I was only about 40 minutes away. Came back, preached. Can you come back on Tuesday? Sure. Ten weeks later, the church doubled. Went from 400 to 800. Let me, let me give you perspective. That was greater than 10% of the population of the city. Where was the city? Valley, Washington. About 10 minutes from the shooting that took place in Burlington, Washington at the mall, I know revival. I know the move of God. I don't have to be the one. I'm just telling you. He's here. He's here. I was part of youth ministries in 1992. 27 young people. We prayed. They were all church kids, which is the worst. I almost rather have 27 like hell because they were like Deacon's kids and, and like leader's kids and they were, they were slouching in their seat in the I dare you to bless me position you're not that good you're not this, you're not that three weeks after being a youth pastor there I was preaching a message from the power of the name of Jesus fasting and praying Seattle's so hard, nothing's that hard it's hard for you Quit trying to make it as if your area is like the worst place. So when God does something, you're the greatest person on the planet. Listen to me, Las Vegas. If you want to say something, someplace is hard. Come on now. They don't say it, Valencia. What happens in Valencia stays in Valencia. Do they? When's the last time you ever heard that? Go to Valencia and do whatever you would do in no place else. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. We welcome sin. I just refuse to believe that someplace is harder, it's not for God. Three weeks into the meetings, I'm preaching and there was a guy named Monty Benson, These are real names. I'm not changing them. Monty Benson is about six foot three, about 30 kids sitting there, uninterested in what I'm doing. If you notice a lot of times when I preach I close my eyes because I don't want to be swayed by what I see and I finished preaching, you could see the sigh of relief of the young people as I finished preaching like it's about time he's done. We want to get back to Chubby Bunny. Come on, somebody. You don't even know what that is. <laughs> I love Chubby Bunny until one kid almost died on me. <laughs> Do a tracheotomy, pull out there. Come on now. You don't even know. And I said, Does anybody want Jesus? Nobody raised their hand. Monty Benson raised his hand. The only kid. I go, What's your name? He goes, My name's Monty. My name is Benny Bro, who invited you my friend said it was going to be fun he said but as you were talking I felt like you actually knew the person you were talking about I'm asking him just in front of everyone what's your background he goes I've been in Mormonism Taoism I've been into uh uh a cultic, I mean, he starts naming all this stuff. He says, and I haven't found what I'm looking for. And I still have. Some of you are listening to too much Christian music. And he looked at me and he says, I want Jesus. I said, get out of your seat and come down here right now. He came out of his seat and standing. Now all the young people were from not there. They were, came from the I dare you do bless me position to is this really going to happen position. Because they knew Monty Benson. I said, Monty, you're going to receive Christ. You're going to ask him to forgive your sin. You're going to turn to Jesus and receive by grace through faith. Come on, the, the salvation of Jesus Christ. Are you ready? He goes, yes. He receives Christ. And then he had the audacity to say this to me. He says, but I want that power that you were talking about you tell me about power i want that power i said Monty, you don't want it he goes yes i do i said okay lift your hand towards heaven now the kids are like on the edge of their seat i said Monty, i'm gonna pray the holy spirit comes and fills you right now he didn't know what that meant are you ready he goes yeah i said lord i thank you for money. thank you he's born again i pray that you would and before i even finished my prayer he did not do you know, the charismatic Pentecostal, I gotta catch her, here I go. There's nothing wrong with people falling out like that. I, I, it's all cool. It's as, as if he had a, you had a rope and he let you let go of the rope and he literally collapses in a, a a a heap, hits the floor, speaking in tongues. Hold on, no, 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 hold on. The atmosphere changes in the room, it changes. All the kids now are like, OMG, come on, emoji, emoji. That was before they were emojis. One kid gets up and starts walking. Derek Chilson to the front, true story, comes walking to the front. Power God hits him, he collapses. All of a sudden, these kids start coming to the altar. They're collapsing everywhere. It's 8.45 at night, and the parents are kind of looking, where are all the young people? Because they couldn't see them. I thought I had kidnapped everybody parents started coming into the to the little small youth auditorium that we had beneath the 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 the, the offices and they came in and all these was their kids on their faces crying out to God and that service went on to about 9:15, 15 9 30 so we went we went we had about 30 some kids all of a sudden now Monty Benson goes back to Marysville Pilchuck High School Derek Chilson goes back to Marysville Piltrick High School they begin to tell them Jesus is on the move Jesus did this Jesus did that it began to spread like wildfire and then guess what happened my friend, that group went from 30. The very next day, the very next week on a Wednesday, we had 70. And now we're packing out that place. And now all of a sudden, God starts saving young people. God starts doing radical things in young people's lives. Signs and wonders begin to follow them that believe. And kids were getting healed. Kids were getting delivered. Things begin to happen. It began to spread like wildfire. The next weekend, we broke past 100 and we kept growing. We kept growing. We were at 400 young people. And it was amazing what God was doing I remember that there was a warlock and he came into the building with his little sidekick junior warlock and he came in dressed all in black slick black hair white face back in the day and my youth workers came up to me and they said oh my goodness the most powerful warlock in Arlington Washington is here what do we do I guess he's not that powerful Arlington's a really small town I would be worried if it's Seattle, but it's Arlington. I said, and I said to him, I said, why are you worried? Well, what is he gonna do? It doesn't matter because he came into the right place. Because Jesus will save and Jesus will deliver any warlock, any witch, any occultic person. Our God is still more powerful. That little warlock, that little warlock kid, he began doing worship he began to do his incantation <laughs> and God his truth all of a sudden light bulbs begin to burst in the auditorium and you're like ah and I'm like that's all you got little 41 light bulb that's all you got I looked at my worship leader, Scott Ledger, who ended up going to lead worship for Ed Young in Dallas, Texas. I said, I went to Scott, this is back in the grunge day, come on, you know what I'm talking about, Nirvana. He's back, he's got that look. I said, take it up another notch, and there, there is Scott. He's going, and we're, 400 kids are drowning that kid out, and I said, take him out. And when, when my, my guys went back there to take him out, this 15-year-old scrawny little kid was throwing him against the wall like they're dolls. He had supernatural power. I walked up to the kid because he was throwing people around like ragdolls he said we're not going to do this I looked at him I said in the name of Jesus I render you powerless I took him by the elbow walked him out of the auditorium and his little henchman his little junior warlock bad disciple he ran I should call you Peter watch this now Choose. I don't even know why I'm going down this road but we're going to get back into worship and, and I look at the guy and I go Jesus loves you Seattle, Washington barren, dry no revival telling me all this stuff why it's not going to happen and I refuse to believe the word of man over the word of the Lord I looked at this little warlock and he's, he's cursing me he says I curse you Benny Perez I curse the youth ministries and within a matter of months you will be leaving this place and this thing will shut down I said yo bro I wouldn't do that if I were you I said, Jesus loves you. And this is what he says. He said, Jesus doesn't love me. Just like that. And he, I don't know why you're like, Ugh. it's like, dude, you, you got a loogie. What do you have? That I don't understand. Why can't you just talk normal? Just talk normal. He goes, this is what he says Lord Lucifer loves me. I go, oh, bro, you're jacked. You're confused. And he says this lucifer destroyed jesus at the cross and that's when i'm like well you crossed the line i'm trying to be nice to you but i'm going ghetto on you now (laughs) I got to tell you the truth that at the cross, Jesus destroyed him who had the power of death. Lucifer is defeated. Sin is defeated. Sickness is defeated. Oh, Jesus, live! He looks at me i would never forget this, he says. He says, we'll see. And with this big old trench coat, he went and ran into the night. Four months later, our youth ministries went from 400 to 600. The revival didn't stop for six years. Come on, somebody. Six. You don't believe it? Get out your phone and Google Marysville, Marysville, Washington Revival. Google it because everything on Google is true. Lift your hands. We're done. Prayer team, get ready in just a moment. We say we're going from 6 to 8.30. I feel him. Can you open your eyes for a second? I don't need to preach tomorrow. Pastor Jerry can preach tomorrow. I don't care. I've been away from my kids since Monday. I saw them for three hours on Thursday. Why would you want to do another night? Because I told my wife, I have not felt what i felt since the Marysville days. No, no, don't clap. I know that's hard for you to contextualize because you don't know my background. We're in a move of God in Vegas. There's no question about it, but it's different. There's something different here. I'm an outsider. I'm not an insider. I love your pastor. I'll almost do anything for him and his wife. I really will. I sense something Divine. It's not about Benny Perez. I asked somebody to even Twitter about me. You didn't even Twitter anything about me. So it's not about Benny Perez. I hate you, but I love you. I hate you, but I love you. I have to love you, but I don't want to. listen to me, what would you do to be a part of a revival that would see the lost saved? To see the dead come back to life again? To be a part of a generation that says dry bones live again? So I declare with your pastor dry bones again dry bones live again